Byron Stripling, welcome to Sunday Night at the TSO. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here with you. Well, we're very much looking forward to you bringing your Louis Armstrong tribute to Toronto. Such a singular artist whose sound is recognizable. It's the definition of recognizable, I'd say. How would you describe his artistic and cultural place? Well, certainly the things that you just described are really important about him. He had this gravelly voice where if he normally would sing in a choir, they would probably say, you sit in the back. But he took his unique talents and abilities and exploited them, what some people would call flaws. But this is the beauty of Louis Armstrong. He showed that he was just like us, that we, when we look within ourselves as we're trying to compose a life, we look to him and we see he took any perceived flaws and he made the best out of them he could. It's a beautiful legacy in multiple ways when you put it that way. Now, this is a show that you've created, correct? Yes. Yeah, tell us a bit about it. What will audiences be treated to? Well, what we try to do, especially in this show, is go through that whole period of, of Armstrong. And so I do reach back. I reach back even to Negro Spirituals, which he really loved because his influences were the brass bands of New Orleans. Back in that period of time, New Orleans had like probably the most opera houses. He knew that music, again, church music, and then the nightclub music. All these clubs, jazz places, and also bordellos. Um, how do I say that kindly? You know, these full service entertainment centers. <laughs> that's where jazz was born, and that's where jazz got its sort of negative connotation of the devil's music. But Louis Armstrong and all the great musicians in New Orleans and future jazz musicians took all of that music, shook it up together, and came out with this thing that had at its base improvisation, but still had the harmonic, rhythmic, and melodic feelings of great music. And so we go through that whole gamut of his career. And, and then we kind of end it with, once again, the Negro spiritual things. And that's when the saints go marching in is actually a spiritual, which most people don't realize. The celebration of that part of it, because in New Orleans, everything was a celebration. That feeling of celebration, love, passion, and sort of using music as a way to get to happiness, right? William James of Harvard said, I'm, I sing not because I'm happy, but I'm happy because I sing. And what Louis knew, what all great musicians and artists know, is that the mere act of giving someone a song elevates them and lifts them up. And more than ever, we need a song. You know, we're in that dark period now, but the bright light can come from art and music. And Louis Armstrong had that every time his lips touched the mouthpiece of his trumpet. Now, I understand you played him in the musical Sachmo, America's musical legend. What was it like to step into his shoes? Well, it was, uh, it was like going to therapy in some sense, because whenever I sort of, as an actor, when you try to study those particular things, you try to study what emotions grabbed him and how do I have similar things that I can use to get those same emotions. So it's a bit of therapy and really self-assessing yourself to sort of put him on stage. But then there was also a great deal of pride. You know, this is back in 1988 when I first did this. This was a, a, a time of great pride to be able to show how great this man was to the world. And that's what I think that show did. 
Now you've got a wealth of different experiences in your musical envelope, like on the jazz side, account Basie Orchestra, amazing Dizzy Gillespie's band, Dave Brubeck, and so many others. But I understand you also have roots in the classical world as well. In fact, you and I went to the same music school, the Eastman School of Music. I went there for oh. classical viola, and I understand you were there originally mm-hmm. uh, for a classical trumpet. Mm-hmm. Uh, how has that experience fed into what you do? Well, certainly, you know, good music is good music. And so the elements that we've talked about before, rhythm, melody, and harmony, are all things that you would have to study at a music school. And so you simply figure out how how can I use this stuff also in my improvisations? Uh, Because, you know, improvisation is so amazing because it's like watching somebody think on their feet. And so we take what somebody would do classical and... We sort of mix it up and, and create spontaneously music in the moment. Only we don't have a chance to correct the mistakes. We actually flaunt the mistakes and use them as a springboard to even higher improvisation. So being in music school, going to Eastman School of Music, started the foundation of everything I needed to stand on to be on stage and earn the credentials to play music and high art. And you worked with an impressive number of prominent classical orchestras, and you're also the principal pops conductor of the Pittsburgh Symphony. How are these realms different, and how do you how do you straddle them? Well, first of all, you should know I became a conductor because my friends uh, got tired of me complaining about how I didn't like things during rehearsals, <laughs> and and that wasn't because they thought that I could make things better. They're like, you can't sit here and complain. Uh, unless you want to do something about it. So you get the training, you and then you can shape, mold, and sculpt it to what you want. So that was my desire to become a conductor. And all of these things interact with each other. You know, as a conductor, I feel like I'm a host. Uh, I'm there to uh, build a bridge between the audience and musicians. For my performances, the orchestra isn't stoic and just sort of sitting, you know, it's I want the musicians involved in the process, and I want the audience to have equal participation in it. In fact, they can inspire us. So if I hear them moan during the performance, like, yeah, I know we're doing the right thing. I like my audiences to talk to me, and I encourage, the, and I try to, you know, pull that out of them, because music this is, is a, an emotional thing. You know, think about any event in your life that's not soundtracked by music. For me, it's all of them. So my role as a conductor is to bring that experience into the hall because, you know, the theater is a magical place. And I sort of feel that every bit of music that's ever been played in a theater continues to sort of swirl around there. And if we do good music in those theaters, those cosmic musical experiences stand and they stay there. You come into the theater, you sit next to somebody, you might not even know who they are. The chairs are so small that your leg is hitting against theirs. But you have this shared musical experience that nobody outside of that theater gets. And I think it's important for me as a conductor to sculpt a program that can sort of be uplifting for people. There's a true purpose of bringing through music, love and happiness and all that stuff. So that's what I I sort of feel my role is conducting wise. And when I stand and sing or play the trumpet. Well, I think Toronto's going to be in for a real treat when you bring your Louis Armstrong tribute. Uh, Thank you so much for joining me. All the best for the holidays. And we look forward to seeing you in the new year. I can't wait. See you then.